to the Church's Messy Podcast. I'm Pastor Svea Mary, and glad to be joined with our lead pastor, Rick Henderson. Good Svea, morning, you, Rick. Oh, I, I'm sorry I stepped on you there. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. I'm ready to jump into another podcast episode and, and enjoy a good conversation. How are you doing? Uh, you know what? I'm doing great. I... Um... I was brushing my teeth this morning and uh, looking out the backyard. At the backyard, this is like my weird. This is like my weird kind of, um, kind of dad routine. I love okay. to behold the backyard. Uh-huh. I don't like doing any work in the backyard. I love I love other people doing the work, but I love to behold the backyard. And I, you just like surveying your kingdom. Yes, yes, <laughs> yes. Um, I invite the dog out on the deck, and we stand on the prow of the deck, and we look over. Are you still <laughs> it, brushing your teeth? At I, this I'm point? brushing my teeth, yeah. you know. And sometimes I'm out on the deck brushing my teeth. Sometimes I'm just looking out the the window uh, there in my in my bedroom. And I was just thinking how much I love summer, mm. and summer feels like heaven to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, and I know winter's coming, and like I don't want to be a pessimist but you know i'm just like it's like now that i'm living in minnesota never before in my life have i been this winter's coming like i just oh. hear this whisper <laughs> in the back of my head but i was thinking about I was thinking about winter and death and summer and life and i'm just oh, like but so this is where i went like <laughs> i don't want to like spin anybody welcome up here welcome to a happy episode but of this where i was just messy. like man this Right now, the weather is just wonderful and beautiful, and it is just like stoking in me this anticipation of heaven. And like one day, Uh, it will always be summer. See, this is one of the subtle gifts of Minnesota. We we burn you all winter long with the freezing cold just so that you learn to truly appreciate the glory of summer. I have never appreciated it as much as I do now. Uh Um, And... Listen, I I don't know if we're gonna. We may end up talking about hardship and suffering a little bit because, especially because of this message. And um, but there is a kind of metaphorical hardship to to, yeah. to winter, and that has caused me to appreciate something that maybe I have taken for granted for about four decades of my life. And I don't know that I'm really ready to talk about it more than that, but my appreciation of spring and summer is through the roof in a way. It's like I'm enjoying it in a way that I have never enjoyed it in my mm-hmm. life. And I love it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, um, uh, it, I got, it got me thinking about it got me thinking about heaven and what things are going to be like when we are face to face with Christ and the new heaven and the new earth. And anyway. Uh, well, you get a lot out of brushing your teeth. <laughs> Well, that's what was going on this morning. <laughs> well, I'm glad you can bring that energy with you yeah. here today. Yeah. Uh, so we're going to talk about this past weekend's message from the time that we're recording this. When mm-hmm. you introduced us to uh, to the guy that you had teased in the past as you know, this this person that uh, is maybe somewhat controversial, a real person in yeah. history, yeah, who was not initially someone that we would think of as a, a character to emulate or mm-hmm. to admire, but someone that uh, is on your top two list of people you would most like to uh, to share a meal with and that I, you hope to do that in heaven. Oh, my goodness. I think sharing a meal with Johnny Cash and Nebuchadnezzar would be awesome. I think... I, that <laughs> at would, the same time? At or, the same oh. time. That'd be, a, that'd, be, that'd be a riot. That'd be pretty epic. Oh, but uh, instead of chasing that fantasy and talking about that, let me just kind of move back to this guy. Why? I, I don't know... The there are things about him that I think are worthy of emulation. Like uh, he, he is a man who valued education, seemed to be highly intelligent, um, and he seemed to value not just his own education but the education of others. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so those are those are good things. Um, 
I don't know how many people he's responsible for their death. Some mm. historians estimate at least a hundred thousand. Wow. He had a lot of he had a lot of blood on his hands. Highly accomplished, highly successful. At times, he seems like a maniac, mm -hmm. and at other times, he seems brilliant. At times, he seems humble. At other times, he seems to be at the height of hubris. Mm. Uh, but his life ends. The very last thing that we hear from him in the book of Daniel is praising God like crazy. Yeah. And um, Daniel chapter four is is written from his perspective. Uh, it seems to be commissioned by him and integrated into the into the book of Daniel. And it is a declaration to all people ever. I need to let you know. I was humbled, and this is the one who humbled me, and everything he does is right, and I praise him, and you should too. Mm -hmm. So I'm like, wow, yeah, that is stunning to me. It is stunning to me, and I want to have a conversation with him, and I hope I get to. Yeah. Well, I, I've always appreciated having his story in the Bible because mm -hmm. he's someone that we know from history, from extra biblical sources too. And and, uh, and in previous chapters of my life, when I was working through doubt and, mm -hmm. and what I believe to be true about mm -hmm. God and, and the truth of his scripture, it's exciting when we see the overlay of, of historical sources and the Bible mm. together. Yeah. To, to know this, the Bible isn't a collection of made up stories no, with not. names yeah. that someone created, but these are truly actual living characters in history that mm -hmm. we can prove the evidence of their lives and their stories. Yeah. And, uh, and, and this story about Nebuchadnezzar is just so incredible. As you say, that the the majesty and the power of this one person mm. and how God mm. was able to channel all of that and redirect what was obviously going in a in a in a very dark direction. You referenced very dark direction. The hundred thousand people yeah. that he may have been responsible for killing, and yet God can even take someone like that mm. and bring him into alignment with His own values, so that He can be used for good. Absolutely. Absolutely. There's so many things we could talk about. Last week, uh, we talked about the uh, we talked about the role of dads, and uh, there that because we we had just had a message on fatherhood for for Father's Day. If you read ahead in Daniel chapter five, one of the things you read is that uh, none of the good was passed on to mm -hmm. Nebuchadnezzar's son, mm -hmm. and he was incredibly insecure, um, and he it ended up costing him. His rebellion and his insecurity and his refusal to trust in God, his self-interest, it it led to his own death and into the fall of his of his, of his kingdom that he mm -hmm. received received from his dad. And so, um, as we we're kind of thinking about both of these two things, I want to celebrate what God did in Nebuchadnezzar's life, and at the same time, remember, I want to make sure I'm doing a great job of helping pass that on mm -hmm. to my kids and to the next generation. Mm -hmm. So here's something I'd love to ask you about, because this message in particular, I had a lot of wonderful lobby conversations mm. after each of the services with people. And By so the way, many... can we just say, for those who are unable to come to service for health reasons or other reasons, we respect that. You should never feel bad about that. But for those who are opting to watch from home out of convenience... You are missing out. Mm. You're missing out on connection and family and the kinds of the kind of moments that you're about to talk about. 
Yeah. Yeah. I love being able to process your message with other people mm. immediately after while it's fresh in everyone's mind. And, and it's so common for me to be standing out in the lobby and someone says, boy, that really hit me here. And, mm. and it's so exciting to say, well, you know, what was it about that that mm. impacted you? And, and it just opens the door to so many wonderful conversations. So I really enjoyed that. But what was fascinating to me this past weekend was about half of the people that I had that kind of a conversation with had something personal to say about how it, it struck them as an individual that mm. they felt like maybe they resonated with this idea, this tendency that we have to look within mm. and that it was causing them to contemplate a little bit more deeply. You know, what am I looking in to myself for versus yeah. what am I allowing God mm -hmm. to speak into my life? And others were identifying with people that they know that maybe have that tendency more than they did. And they were excited to pass along this message yeah. to someone who hadn't had the opportunity mm. to hear it for themselves. Mm. Um, I'm just curious to hear your thoughts on that. Does it, does it delight you or is there an element where maybe you cringe a little bit when someone wants to use a message that you give as a tool to share with someone else? Uh, well, let me say this. It is always, it always feels like a gift of kindness and encouragement when someone says, listen, this thing that you said or that you shared um, I found it helpful. It's beneficial to me, and I think it would be helpful and beneficial to others. And I want to share it with them. Wow, mm -hmm. my my goodness! Thank you. Yeah. It, it's not it's not about me. I mean, all of this is about the glory of Christ and serving the good of others. But that I got to play a role, man, that means a lot to me. Mm. Um, so no, I don't I, I don't get I I don't feel I don't feel negative about about that. I mean, this is we want to be we want to be helpful. Yeah. And and for someone to say, listen, just want you to know you're being helpful. Man, God, thank you for that. Um, it's just evidence of the fruit of the spirit around here. If yeah. people are connecting, mm. um, you know, and, and, and you're a gifted preacher, but ultimately what they're connecting with is the truth of God that you are illuminating for people. Yeah. And just, uh, and it's exciting when people want to share that with others. Yeah, I love that. You know, one of the things that we say is people share what they love with who they love. And that's why we would encourage people to, you know, invite, if this is meaningful to you, but, you know, bring, <laughs> invite a friend, mm -hmm. invite a family member, invite a coworker to come. Um, and a great way to do that is, listen, I don't know, I don't know if you'll, uh, let me rephrase it this way. I think a great way to invite someone is to say, listen, there are things going on in my church that I really like. I would love to know what you think. Mm -hmm. Or my pastor is talking about this. I'd love to know your response. I'd love to know whether you agree or disagree, just what you think about it. And take them out to lunch or coffee mm -hmm. and just, you know, that that's, that's, a, that's a great thing to do. So anyway, people share what they love with who they love. And so there's, there's all kinds of beautiful expressions about this. I feel like maybe you're hinting at there is a, there's a not so beautiful side uh, to this. That well, let me package it for you a little bit too, because you were fairly self-effacing in this message, talking about how you felt pretty agitated yourself. Oh, yeah, well, I'm preaching it on Saturday night, and I'm like, why am I so just agitated? Why am I so bothered right now? And it was, it really kind of took me till the next morning. I'm up praying, and it's like, oh, because this is about me. Because I, because uh -huh. I struggle. My my own heart and mind is the battleground between look up and look within. And sometimes look within is winning, and I, I'm not happy about that. Mm -hmm. And you, you said you felt like you were really truly preaching it to yourself in front mm. of an audience, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. 
Does oh, yeah. that often happen to it you? It happens a lot. It, 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 happen, it happens a lot where it's basically, guys, this is a conversation <laughs> between Jesus and me, and you're just listening in. <laughs> I know I'm phrasing it like I'm like I'm sharing it all to you and for you, uh, but it is. It, this is this is coming out of my own discipleship journey, mm. and I, I'm highly impacted uh, by things that I read for like. Paul, follow me as I follow Christ. I'm trying to follow Christ, guys. Do you guys want to come along and 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 do this too? Mm. <laughs> right. That's what that's what preaching is. I'm trying to follow Christ. I think this is what it looks like. I'm doing my best to understand. Doing my best to follow. I've got some bumps and bruises along the way, but I'm inviting you to come too. Mm-hmm. That's what preaching is for me. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes it's not as clear. Uh, I, I shared with you earlier last week. Uh, we had a working time away. And my preparation time was before the week before the message, and then it was compressed mm. leading up to the message. Mm-hmm. Um, for a variety of reasons, I can be emotionally delayed. And so I was working out the material at a faster pace than it was working out in me. Mm. And <laughs> it kind of caught up to me when I was giving the first the <laughs> message for Saturday the first night, time on huh? Saturday night. Normally, normally I'm the the writing process is a little bit more integrated with a little bit more distance and i have time to be praying through this and working through this and uh-huh. personally and i've kind of already gone through that before i get up and so saturday was a bit weird well thank you for admitting that because i think it makes you a uh, not only a more real person when you can admit that uh, you don't have all of this mastered and that you are teaching us nope. from a place of of complete perfection mm-hmm. achieved in each of these no, areas, but that it's still something you're working through too. There are some guys and, and and gals too. I don't when you listen to them talk, it's like, hey, I've arrived. You should you should get here too. Mm. And man, if that's possible, I think it would be great. That's just not my story. My story is that's where I want to get to. <laughs> Do you guys want to follow follow along and let's all try to get there? Mm-hmm. I'm not there yet. I want to be. I'm just not. Well, I, I admire the humility with which you're speaking. And, and maybe if Nebuchadnezzar had had that kind of humility, he mm. wouldn't have had to have been humbled in the way that he had. Sure. But let's talk about the kind of humility that he expresses by the end of chapter four. Uh-huh. What does it... What does it take? What, what, I don't even know. I don't know how to quantify it. So I'm just going to ask a question that I have no idea how to answer. <laughs> That's to, fun. To be that vulnerable. No, he can humble anybody he wants to humble. I was a madman. God man. can I, humble. That's uh-huh. right. Yeah. Not Nebuchadnezzar can. <laughs> this, is not, I'm, this is Nebuchadnezzar's perspective. God can, he can humble anybody he wants to humble. Yeah. I was a madman. I was living like an animal. I was eating grass like, a, like an ox. Just to just to lay it, lay it all out. Yeah. No image management. No no reputation management. Just laid it all out. Mm-hmm. Oh man, that is. I find that to be a stunning, stunning level of humility. Well, it's a stunning level of humility, but the other component to that is it's a stunning level of God's power, mm. right? Um, I would love to push you a little bit and go deeper on this idea of God bringing calamity mm. on people, because for yeah. so many people, we love the idea that everything good is from God. You know, every perfect gift, every good gift is from above. Yes. And it's yes. so easy to cling to that and mm-hmm. hold to that. Mm-hmm. 
But the reverse side of that coin is that God is a God who can bring calamity. Who can and does. Mm -hmm. We just, you know, there was a moment where we paused and said, listen, if your view of God doesn't allow for the fact, doesn't allow for the possibility that he could manufacture pain in your life, your view of God is too small. Mm -hmm. Um, No, there was no applause. (laughs) <laughs> and I know that's I a heavy moment. No, no, no. Yeah. I, and, and I know, I know that I know that's a heavy moment. And that's a moment where people have to like, okay, they need to pause. I got to wrestle with that. I got to think about that. You, no one should respond quickly to that. Mm-hmm. I think we ought to. I think we ought to respond carefully. Mm-hmm. Uh, carefully and to that. there likely are those who are going to struggle with that mm. it might be very different than mm. the way that they have have accumulated their thoughts yeah. about God and and yeah. we're certainly not saying that God does anything evil no he doesn't no he doesn't so the, here, let me just use a couple of examples mm-hmm. one we've already covered example uh, the, the example of Nebuchadnezzar God brought a kind of insanity to him was it the clinical case of boanthropy which is where someone can believe that they are <laughs> <laughs> well you just pulled that word out really quickly didn't you <laughs> uh, yes boanthropy boanthropy it is the it's the it's the well it's the combat <laughs> We won't get into the etymology, but um, bovine, anthropos, you know, cow man, <laughs> cow man. It, it, so wow. So it's the uh, it's the it's. I've the be- learned my term for the day. It's the it's the belief. It's that someone uh, believes or identifies as a cow. <laughs> We're gonna take a laugh break here for a second. Just enjoy his music oh, place. Dear. Let's not make any comments about our current culture and give it anyone any idea. Man, I feel like I've been in the crosshairs lately. I don't want to. I don't want to go there yet. Not not today. Um, so. Okay, so I don't know if it was like an actual case of boanthropy or something, something, something different. Um, but but God, God brought that on him. You know, you're gonna. You are going to be. You're going to be insane. Mm-hmm. Um, we're not making light of mental illness. I don't want to use any pejorative or uh, or terms that, that 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 might actually be harmful or hurtful to, to someone. But God intentionally brought about what appears to be a real case of severe uh, mental illness mm-hmm. to Nebuchadnezzar for a purpose. Mm-hmm. Let's jump to the New Testament. Uh, we're we're going to jump to jump to Second Corinthians, where Paul talked about that. Uh, I don't know what the thorn in the flesh was, but he had something in him mm-hmm. that God intentionally manufactured, basically for the same purpose mm. of Nebuchadnezzar mm-hmm. is to keep him from becoming arrogant and prideful. Yeah, that that is that is the that <clears throat> that is a huge danger. I'm of the mindset that pride is really the foundational sin or the root sin that hmm. gives birth to all other sins. Sure. Uh, it's, it's, it's arrogance. It's hubris. It's, 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 it's entitlement. It, yes. It's mm-hmm. oh, no, it's me. Mm-hmm. It starts with me. I'm yeah. going to be my own authority. I'm going to go, I'm going to go my, I'm going to be on my own way. I'm the one, I'm the one who will define what will be mm-hmm. what's right and wrong, what I should be all of, all of that kind of thing. It's so, this is, it's really, you got to understand that. I think to best understand, um, that God resists the proud, mm-hmm. that there is no person that God will not happily accept and embrace and love and wrap up, but he will not tolerate pride. Mm-hmm. So anyone who comes to him in pride 
cannot be received will not be received by him. Mm -hmm. And so anything that God would do on purpose to break our love affair and our marriage to pride is a gift to us. And so we see that God intentionally brings about um, calamity, hardship, pain, suffering. That is not the same as saying that every hardship, pain, and suffering is something that God intentionally caused. Now, we're at a point where there are at least two major diversions in systematic theology. There is a there's an approach to understanding of God that everything that happens, God is the determinative, the decisive cause of those things. And then there's another branch that would say, well, God is sovereign and God is in control, but he's not causing all things. Mm-hmm. And so you've got to decide which which stream, which branch you're going to walk out on. I'm on the branch that God can do whatever he wants to do, um, that there are times that God specifically does cause hurtful, harmful things, the greatest of which was the crucifixion of Jesus. Mm-hmm. That is not, but I do not believe that every single thing is that God is the determinative or the decisive cause of every particular thing that happens. And I'm only going to ascribe to God those difficult, painful, harmful things uh, that He takes credit for. And if He hasn't, if He hasn't communicated, I did this, then. I'm just going to say maybe he did it, but I don't know. He would have to tell me. And there's a lot. There's been there's been a lot of things um, in my life. There's been a lot of things we've all experienced that God just hasn't said. No, I did this. Could he have? Sure. Did he? Well, he didn't tell me, so I don't know. So that's why I land where where I do on that. So clarify what you're saying about you wouldn't you wouldn't necessarily ascribe it to God unless he told you. Mm-hmm. Are, are, do you mean that literally? I mean, the, the only words that we have in black and white from God are what's recorded in scripture. Mm-hmm. And uh, the last time I read my Bible, I don't think your name was in it. No offense. My name's not in it. <laughs> so let's use, let's, use, let's use COVID, for example. Did God cause COVID? I don't know. Um, is, did, is this something that he um, sovereignly caused to come about? Um, I, how would I know that? He hasn't told me. Mm-hmm. But, but, <laughs> but I don't believe that God's going to give me any special revelation. Mm-hmm. And there's nothing in God's word. Like I think God has, has fully and finally communicated what he wants to communicate to us through his word. Mm-hmm. Because there's nothing in his word that tells us that then. It's a mystery. This may be radically oversimplifying things mm-hmm. too much, but but sometimes in trying to wrestle through this in my own mind, I picture when I take my dog for a walk yeah. and she's on her leash, yeah. there's times when she's straining against that leash and I am pulling on that leash mm-hmm. and controlling where she's going. And there's yeah. other times when she's walking on a loose leash and, uh, and she's got a little bit more freedom mm-hmm. to walk where she wants to go. But in the end, we end up going on the walk that I intended to, to go yeah. on and we arrive yeah. where I intend to go. And, and I... I I wonder if God works in that kind of a way where he's overall, he's directing the walk and at times he's pulling on the leash to make sure that, uh, that I am where I need to be. And other times he's got a little bit uh, more slack in the line, but yeah, I, I do under, I do understand that. Um, I, I think that I think in my thinking that analogy quickly unravels because it, 
what it doesn't do is accommodate or what it struggles to do is to really make sense of um, the meaningful decisions that we make. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, It, we, we have, we have real culpability. Um, We make, we make, we have real and meaningful choices that, that, that mm-hmm. we're making all throughout our life. And God is sovereign over all of that, uh, which means there's nothing that happens outside of his authority. There's nothing that happens outside of what he intentionally causes or what he allows to cause. Uh, and when I say that God allows things, it doesn't mean that he's passively involved, but in the same way as a dad, but this is, this is again, using a metaphor that will break down, um, that I'm actively involved in my kid's life, and yet I'll, I'm sitting back and not trying to control everything that they sure. do. There's some things that they get to choose. That God is actively allowing mm-hmm. certain things. Yeah, there are times as a parent we see our kids yeah. about to do something that mm-hmm. we know there's going to be a consequence that they're going to have to live through, but we let yeah. them do it because we know the, the benefit mm-hmm. that they'll gain from experiencing that consequence is better than us just intervening. Absolutely. And so there are good-hearted, smart people who are trying to figure out, God, what are you like? Who are you? What are you like? And how are you engaging with this world that you created? And how are you engaging in us? And good-hearted, smart people disagree over how much God specifically causes and how much God actively allows. Mm-hmm. And so we're at the end of the day, I think there's there's a bit of a mystery. Maybe that's a bit of an that's an understatement. <laughs> there's a bit of a mystery there. It's a massive <laughs> it's a it's a massive mystery. So let me go back for people who are frustrated trying to, to feel like feel like it's tough to, to to nail me down on this. I don't believe that God is revealing anything after what he's done, after what he's communicated in his word. I think the revelation is finished and now we're teaching that. And so it's not God's not going to communicate, "Hey, I caused this hurricane, I caused this disease, I caused this pandemic, I caused this uh financial hardship in your nation's economy." You're not we're not getting that. That's done. It's just what God wants us to know is fully and finally communicated in his word. It has everything we need. Uh, so we're fully equipped for life and godliness. Mm-hmm. And so we're promised all good things come from above. We are experiences is common grace, and I'm grateful for that. Um, it, it's not quite as clear on how to understand when it comes to calamity, suffering, things that are wreaking havoc in our life. I'm trusting in his goodness so in the message, you pointed back to Romans 8, 28, yeah, and that's yeah. that's a verse that, you know, all things work together for good for those who are called according to God's purpose for those who love him. And, uh, you know, it's a verse that we pull out very mm-hmm. quickly to point to no matter what circumstances we face, God mm-hmm. can be working good things through it. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet it's a verse that sometimes gets a little bit abused and maybe over applied into uh, a false way of sure. looking at things that are truly bad, truly evil. Mm-hmm. That verse doesn't mean to imply that those are good things. That's that right. Bad things are still bad. Good things can be good. And yes. yet we have to allow for times when maybe what we consider to be bad is maybe mm-hmm. not the same thing that God sees as bad because mm-hmm. he might have a bigger perspective on something. Mm-hmm. But here's the question I'd love to ask you about that, because I think when we jump to that verse so quickly, there's the implication that everything that happens to us is something that could be used for good. Mm -hmm. And yet, what do you say to the person who might say, I'm struggling to see the good in it? Yeah. I don't don't feel like I see 
good or what God could be doing or mm. why that could be something that is mm. is good in my life. Mm. One, I would say, first I want to say, when you're there, um, one of the one of the questions I love to ask folks is, what's the what's the story you're telling yourself about yourself right now? And the reason that I go to that is because sometimes when people are there, they're am I a bad Christian? Am I not am I not a good enough Jesus follower? Is something wrong with me? There may not be anything wrong with you. Mm-hmm. Um, and our confidence. Well, let me let me just make it personal. My confidence is in God's ability to keep His promise not my ability to connect all the dots from my vantage point right now. Hmm. Um, it, as I trust that he's going to keep his promise, that he is going to cause all the things, good and bad, highs and lows, to work out for good um, because I've been called according to, uh, to his purpose. I, I believe that I'm living according to his purpose. I love him. I believe that I love that I'm loved by him. He's going to keep his promise. Um, the promise isn't that you will fully see it and that you'll f- fully understand. It's just that this is what he's going to do. Mm-hmm. And again, analogies break down, metaphors break down. But there are a lot of times that we do good for others that they can never see the good. Sure, they can. Ne- they can never see how it is good. We could see it in our kids. We could see it in dear ones um, who are battling uh, various addictions. Uh, we can we could see it um, in the lives of those who are coming alongside. We're gonna just gonna jump in the pit with them, and and there's all kinds of hurt, maybe hurt that they've caused in their own life, and we're trying to help them forward. And the way forward, the way in the goodness, feels painful, um, and they can't they can't really see it. Um, but don't beat yourself up. I don't don't think that you're a bad Christian or you're not a good enough Christian if if you can't see it. And I think that there's at least one or two ways that we can quickly identify, yeah, it would be too it would be too much pressure, too high a standard to think that we have to be able to understand it. Think about someone who is killed for their faith. Mm-hmm. How do they see the good? Well, they're now well, yeah, they're in heaven and they they've got a heavenly perspective. Um uh, but but they didn't but they're they not, never realized it this they, side of heaven. They never realized it this side of heaven. So there is at least one one scenario in which we mm-hmm. in which we can't mm-hmm. which we can't know. Um, or what about the person who they didn't die? Maybe maybe they're in a coma. Well, they're not seeing it this side of heaven. We don't even know what they're mm-hmm. what they're aware of. There's there's scenarios that we can think of, but it doesn't hinge on our ability to understand. It hinges on God's ability to do it. Will we trust in Him? And and again. All verses are taken from a context. It doesn't mean they're taken out of context. Well, let's remember the context from which this was taken. Paul had just finished giving giving what I think is a just a uh, a, a beautiful, very vulnerable um, uh, exposition of his own failure in sin and the fact that he doesn't do what he wants to do and what he wants to do, he doesn't do. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's just, it feels like madness. Like he's just exasperated. Who will save me from this law of sin and death? It is Jesus Christ, the righteous. So he's talking about this internal suffering, internal turmoil inside of himself from his own temptation and his own failure with sin. Um, he's also writing to people who are in the midst of external causes of suffering because they're being persecuted um, by 
by officials in Rome. This is written to Christians who are part of churches in the city of Rome. Also, what's going on is that there is significant tension between Gentile Christians and Jewish Christians in Rome. Um, I, I, I know you've spent some time studying this, so mm-hmm. you've had the, the church in Rome, it seems like it started with predominantly Jewish believers who who, who got, the, got the church up and going, and then Jewish, uh, it was unsafe for Jews in Rome, and they're kicked out of Rome, and they're gone for a while, mm-hmm. and then the church becomes more predominantly Gentile, mm-hmm. and then now you got Jewish Christians coming back, and their <laughs> approaches and their expressions of worship, it's not like one is wrong and one is right, they're different, and now they're trying to do church it's together. A tinderbox it's a, a it's clash a tinderbox. of power. It, Listen, oh my goodness, protect me from myself here, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Protect me from myself here from overstating some stuff. But what you have is people who weren't allowed to go to their church. They come back to their church, Mm -hmm. and there's a whole new set of people there. And it feels like, Mm -hmm. this isn't my church anymore. What do I do now? Mm -hmm. Can anybody relate to that? (laughs) It's comforting to know that uh, history repeats itself. Yeah. All right. All right. So he who has ears to hear, let him hear. (laughs) That's all I'm going to say. And so, and Paul says into that, guys, God causes all things to work together for good. Mm -hmm. For those who love him and are called according to his purpose. Mm -hmm. He doesn't say you have to know. He doesn't say you have to understand it. The reality is many times we do get glimpses into it. Mm -hmm. The reality is is that many times we do get to see how God is using it or how God might use it. My own experience has been I see it it down the road. Once I'm down the road, I'm able to look back and go, oh, my goodness, I never could have imagined that God would do that. Mm -hmm. Um, And so... Sometimes we're able to see, sometimes we're sometimes we're not really, really able to see. But it's it's not about you. It's about him. Yeah. I'd like to suggest that maybe the the clearest way to try to see it is through mm-hmm. the perspective of humility. Yes. Which is bringing us back to the to what initially launched this conversation sure. with the the way that God used mm-hmm. uh, a calamity yeah. to bring Nebuchadnezzar to a position of humility that clearly wasn't in his natural mm-hmm. being or his instinct. Yeah. But uh, but that the hardship that Nebuchadnezzar went through was what humbled him to be able to see God. Oh yeah, and if I could just, I hope I'm not being boring, but but want to talk about this just a tad more. Okay. But. Wherever you're at, if you're at this point, you're going to go, you're going to, there are paths available to you. There's, there's philosophical paths that you could take. There are different expressions of kind of different systematic theological um, approaches to take. There's, take any path you want to take. Eventually, every path is going to lead you to a point of where you have to acknowledge mystery. Mm. You have to acknowledge I'm at the end of my ability to understand. Mm-hmm. And when you get to the end of your ability to understand, do you, if you double down on looking within, that is just the most irrational expression of pride and hubris mm. that I could think of. You know that you don't have it, but you're still looking within. Mm. Let's don't be that kind. Let's don't be those kinds of people. And God brought Nebuchadnezzar to that point. And thankfully, joyfully, he said, Nope, it's not me. Mm -hmm. It's not in me. Mm -hmm. It's it's him. 
and and I, and I turn and I turn and trust to him. So if you're at a point where you can't see it, it's okay. You're at a point to where you're now stepping into mystery. You step into mystery. Are you going to trust in yourself? Are you going to trust? Are you going to trust in in the one who's greater than us all? Yeah. And everybody has to make that decision. And people who go the who who really embrace uh, agnosticism or humanism or atheism or any other ism that creates submission to the divine at arm's length is saying at the end of the day I'm opting for me and that is what that is the thing that makes us ineligible to receive the embrace mm-hmm. and the love and the acceptance of the God who made us in his image and who loves us mm-hmm. use it as a reminder to look up mm. yeah look up mm-hmm.